Hello and welcome to the show that can officially call an end to this winter crisis because it didn't happen in London. On today's show, we cast our eyes over three of the Football League's newer members. Burton, Fleetwood, Stevenage, all under the microscope today. We'll be looking at those EFL rule changes. When are they going to yield on 3G pitches? We'll have all the usual stuff, the fan league, the anthemic music, the rambling history. It's all on the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Morning, everyone. Thank you so much for making it through the uh, icy hell and chaos. Caroline, you, you didn't even go home last night. Just purely for that reason. Yes, exactly. It, it wasn't yes. to do with an awards do. But it was... Actually, I'm not going to have a rant about public transport because we're very lucky to have our public transport system. <laughs> Noble and dignified as ever. Two words that are rarely used about Matt Stanger. Um, how are you, Matt? I'm very well, thank you. Looking forward to the game tonight, Blackburn at Wimbledon. Yes, absolutely. I'm sure it will not be too cold for me to even consider going. Top of the table, aren't you? We are top of the table, yeah. For now. It feels weird. Yeah. But we're going to discuss those rule changes where we could still be in a division above if it wasn't for David Wagner last season. Oh, yes. Yes, we'll definitely have that. Uh, we got a message from Tom Byfield last week. He said, please, 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 can you start calling Joe Crilly, Joe Crilly from Willy Hilly or Joe Crillium from William Hilliam? I've thought about it for three months now and I can't get it out of my head. I'm more than, <laughs> more than happy to oblige. Uh, um, Joey Crillian from William Hilliam. How are you? Oh, Joey. As yeah, well. well, I think it just needs that extra syllable to make it make it work. Yeah, I like that. You were on the radio talking about us, weren't you? I was indeed, yeah. You were uh, telling everyone to... Uh, ahead of Bolton Norwich, wasn't it? Yeah, BBC Norfolk got in touch, wanted to have a quick chat about the game, uh, and they built it up, and it finished nil-nil. Uh, and by all <laughs> accounts, was absolutely dying. <laughs> the worst game, I think, of, of the weekend. Yeah. Um, so that's all the time we're going to dedicate to that. <laughs> Dixon Genius has been in touch. He says, I haven't got any questions for you this week. I'm just delighted I can hear a podcast without anybody talking about Arsenal. Matt, where did it go wrong for the Gunners? <laughs> I thought we were going to discuss where Arsenal would finish in the Championship this Ooh. season. <laughs> <laughs> Producer Tayo is with us. He's an Arsenal fan and, uh, and, and is, is suffering a bit. Uh, one more. We got a message from JLQPR. says, update, Nottingham Forest have now scored 21.9% of their goals this season against QPR. That's outstanding. No one saw that coming, did they? Is he a QPR fan? He is. So, he's, you know, this is obviously a coping mechanism. Where, where are we on the QPR Ollie scale in out this week? Anyone? I don't think they're going to get rid of him, are they? It feels like he's, he's a good person there for this period of transition as they go from spending like a drunken sailor into actually working within their own means. Um, I reckon next season, it gets to about sort of October, November time and they're looking... You yeah, know, lower mid table. Right yeah. I think he might be in trouble, but I think they'll they'll stick with him there. They they seem to be really making a concerted effort to be sensible. I, I was hoping for a clapometer then, but it's clearly <laughs> not going to happen. So that's fine. Um, performance of the week. You've been voting on social media. Um, who came fourth? Joe Crilly. Who did you go for? Well, I keep getting trumped uh, with my selections, but I went for Crew, uh, who uh, won four one away. Uh, at High Flying, or formerly High Flying Lincoln. Yeah, I definitely didn't see that one coming, but only 15% agreed with you. Uh, producer Tayo, who did you go for? Uh, despite the accusation, I only did it for uh, to curry favour with the big teams. I went for uh, <laughs> Aston Villa. Aston Villa's away win against Sheffield Wednesday, 4-2. It was a good win, a very good win, but it didn't curry much favour. It only got 22%. Um, 
I, I only came second on this. Uh, I went for Nottingham Forest, scoring five goals, which is ridiculous. Only 31%. Um, but Matt... Get you... in! <laughs> <laughs> Who did you go for? It's the correct answer. I went for Morecambe's 4-2 win at Wickham, which was absolutely sensational. Kevin Sombrero Ellison celebrating his 39th birthday with two goals. And uh, one of them, absolute screamer as well. 32% agreed with you. Um, if you want to take part in Performance of the Week and stop Matt winning next time, uh, you can do. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed on a Monday. Coming up now, though, it's the News in Brief. The EFL transfer window will slam shut for permanent deals. It will now close at 5pm on August the 9th. That brings the 72 EFL clubs in line with the Premier League, who voted in favour of closing the window before their season starts. But it will actually come just after the opening games in the Championship League 1 and League 2. Players can still be signed on loan up to the usual August 31st deadline. EFL Chief Executive Sean Harvey said this new approach will give clubs and managers the stability they crave earlier in the season, whilst also providing the flexibility to add to their squads after the traditional deadline until the end of the month if required. You with me on that? Does he talk like that? Yes, I think he does. <laughs> Peterborough have sacked manager Grant McCann after a run of seven matches without a win. I love Grant. He's a legend of this football club and he always will be, said chairman Darren McAntony. But it's not quite happened in management for him here and it was the right time to part ways. I thank him for all of his efforts and I wish him and his family the very best in the future. His assistant, David Oldfield, will be caretaker manager when the team face Walsall in the league later tonight. Fleetwood Town have appointed John Sheridan as head coach on a deal until the end of the season. Sheridan took over from Uwe Rosler last week and saw his men end their eight-game losing run by fighting back to earn a draw against MK Dons. Fleetwood are outside of the League One relegation zone only on goal difference and uh, we'll be talking about them later in the show. Oxford United's new owner, Thai businessman Sumrif Thanakan Janasuf, has said he hopes to appoint a new manager in the next couple of days. Oxford sacks Pep Clotet in January. Uh, they've passed over the chance to sign Sol Campbell. They've been talking to Wales forward Craig Bellamy. Um, he says, We hope to finalise a manager in the next couple of days. I don't want to choose the wrong manager. I want a good personality and someone who has new tactics and who the players are happy to train with. That sounds promising. Some Brentford fans boycotted their team's visit to Ellen Road last week as a protest against the price of a ticket in the away end. Leeds United are charging travelling fans £39 for the privilege of watching their team. And B's fan podcast and friend of the show Billy Grant has declared, 40 is naughty. People have had enough. Success on the pitch has been outweighed by the moral principle of not being extorted, Grant said. The FSF fixed it in their 20s plenty campaign that Premier League clubs were to charge no more than £30 to away fans. Though £39 for away fans in the Championship is a disgrace. It's absolutely right. And the EFL has also reiterated its stance on artificial pitches, saying that any National League team that wins promotion to League Two must agree to use a grass surface. Should that criteria not be met by the nominated date, the club that finishes 23rd in League Two and would otherwise be relegated will retain their place in the division. Good news for Chesterfield there. That is your news in brief. All right, uh, where do we start with that? Should we start with Peterborough, Matt? Um, right at the beginning of the season, Peterborough scoring freely, Grant McCann looking very good, promotion looking a very real possibility. Not so much the case now. No, one win in nine matches, so uh, you can see why they've changed it because obviously the ambition there is to get back up into the championship. And uh, I actually went to see him earlier in the season when they played uh, Oxford and they played really well in the first half. And uh, 
Jack Marriott opened a scoring. He's been in fine form this season after joining from Luton, but they lost 4-1 uh, after the interval there. And I think uh, yeah, some of the, the signs were there that this Peterborough side and the Grant McCann weren't quite ready to uh, to mount that promotion campaign. Caroline, Adrian Durham, uh, who's a Peterborough fan, uh, seemed to hit out of this decision on Twitter. Though a lot of Peterborough fans got in touch and said, you're not there every game. It's been really, really awful. What's the truth here? Yeah, listening to the local BBC radio station as well, they were talking about the flans perhaps being divided. If you go back to was it October time, do you remember those the claims of abuse that was being directed at, at Grant McCann and his, his family? Darren McCanty came out then and he said, you know, it's about respecting the manager, us all pulling together. And he kind of thought that that was going to happen. And then it hasn't really seemed to work. There's quality in the team, as you you would have seen before, but it's it's that ambition. Are they a team that, that really should be up in that that playoffs? He's clearly set that bar and thought, right, that's where we've got to go and that's where we, sh- we should be. And, and McCann has felt the force. I'm not watching them every week, so it's very difficult, isn't mm. it, to, to comment as a fan from that from that perspective it's maybe a bit of a message to the players as well because some of them I imagine Stephen Taylor is uh, is a high earner and, and there are a few others there as well and uh, it's maybe a sign of you know if, if they have such a close relationship with Grant McCann obviously after all his years of service to the club if they're going to get rid of him it's a message to the players of if you don't perform then you know you're going to be out as well and it was, Barry Fry had an interesting comment where he said he would recommend McCann to any other club in the football league like a kind of computer virus <laughs> <laughs> you say it's a message to the players too, but that message has got to come from the manager, hasn't it? It's not got to come yeah. from, the, from the owner, from the for the chairman saying, right, the players are out on here. So again, it's it's kind of bypassing the manager and, and, and maybe the, the power of the manager. He clearly thinks the manager has, has lost that power within the dressing room, despite the fact that he says he, he loves him in the same voice as Billy the Bee, apparently. Well, yes, absolutely. Everyone gets quoted in the same voice here. They've got two games in hand and they're only six points off the playoffs. I'm, I'm kind of siding with Adrian Durham here, which, I've got to be honest, I didn't think I'd be saying today. Well, that's my point coming back to the, the players. Where has this come from? Is this, this very much the chairman and the manager, despite loving him, falling out? Or is this someone senior within the, the playing ranks saying this isn't yeah. working and we need someone to, to shake it up? Oldfield, though, uh, David Oldfield, his assistant, who's been put in charge, again, was he maybe the conduit between the players and, and the manager? Mm. What role will he play? So it's going to be interesting to see if he can get any reaction out of the players. Again, that squad that, that you would think would be in those playoff well, positions. Well, that's, that's going to be interesting. We'll keep a close eye on that. We'll also be keeping a close eye on Oxford. Uh, new owner, Samrav Thanakan Janasuf, Matt. Um, what do we know of him? Well, he was at Reading before, wasn't he? And also that... He's known as Tiger Ian to his friends, so I think uh, you can nice. go for that if you don't want to keep trying to pronounce his full name. No, no, I'm doing it really well. <laughs> I'm, I'm nailing this. Um, I've been so, here since 7am practising. <laughs> well, you've done a fantastic job. Thanks, man. Um, I mean, he, I'm not sure about the, the way that he's, he's said things here, but I don't want to choose the wrong manager. I want a good personality and someone who has new tactics. I'm not sure that new necessarily is is good or players being happy about training is necessarily good. So it all seems a bit vague, but then I do remember laughing at another tie owner um, who took over a club a little while back and said, we'll be in the Premier League top three in three years. And he won the thing over at Leicester. So, you know, you, you can be too quick to scoff. Well, as we were saying before the show, it's good to have dreams, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, wants to be in the Premier League, wants to take Oxford into the Premier League. Nothing wrong with ambition. And, and can I say Oxford United? Because otherwise fans of Oxford City will have a moan at me too. Good point. 
Well remembered. Right, um, let's have a look at the EFL rule changes. Uh, new transfer deadline, August the 9th. What do we think of that, Caroline? Phil Brown, he of former... I like club? where this is going already. South End. <laughs> Uh, said that he was very much in in favour of this when I heard him talking on on the radio the other day. As a manager, you go into the start of the season, if there's a little bit of fear and wobble that maybe you're going to get some of your best players taken off of you, then it disrupts the whole season before it's, well, even as it's just begun. As someone that that was once involved in football administration, albeit much lower level than, than this, you've got to have that kind of key ingredient in place. And that's why it's so important to get your manager sorted before the summer break to make sure that you've got enough time to get those players in. So if there's a little bit of a rattle and a wrangle at the start of the season and it throws you off course, then brilliant. The flip side to that is the clubs that love that period of time to put their players in the shop window and say, oh, maybe you've not quite got what you wanted over the summer. So here's someone you can have for a, for a bit more cash. <laughs> have I got bargains for you. So is it a policy that, that maybe some of those clubs will sit back now and think, that would have been our method of, of maybe moving a few on. so they But then they've got yeah. to do their business a bit quicker. Broadly in favour, though. I'll, I'll, I'll do July 31st, personally. Yep. So I'm not in favour of this stance on artificial pitches. Um, I've covered games at Maidstone and at Sutton in the last couple of years, and A, the surface is absolutely fine. Um, B, if you think that's a bad surface, you clearly need to take a trip to Roots Hall and see South End's pitch at the moment. Um, and see the things you can do with an artificial surface at that level. You can have like all of your youth teams playing there. You can have yeah. um, amateur teams playing there. Um, you, it becomes a kind of hub for the community. They really, really need to rethink this. I think that third point is absolutely crucial, isn't it? Because when we get on to discussing Fleetwood later in the show as well, it's all about clubs that are lower down the leagues finding other revenue streams to, to be sustain- self-sustainable and... Uh, that's obviously what Sutton have looked to do with their artificial surface. And Arsenal had no complaints last season when they played them in the FA Cup. So if Arsenal are going to go there and, uh, in, in, you know, in, in enjoy playing on that pitch, then it, I don't see why yeah. Stephen is should. This is the thing. The Sutton media day before that Arsenal game, you had um, uh, the first team were training on the pitch and all the press were there. And then when the first team came off, they like the under-12s were going on there and having a runabout. And it caused no harm to anyone. The pitch yeah. is fine. And there are so many terrible pitches in League Two. I just can't get the logic of Paul, this. Paul Doswell, the, the Sutton. Boss underwrote the cost of putting down that pitch to for the, the club then through their FA Cup sojourn managed to, to pay them back and what it has done for that community but what it has done for various non-league football clubs has shown how to create a sustainable model has shown how you can engage the community in the facility and bring them back in that we've seen happen so many times on on the continent with multi-sports facilities if clubs are going to remain at that level or at least be sustainable at that level, then they need those income funds and those streams. So why would you be against that? Also, there and you probably all know, a little club Worthing that's got a 3G pitch, they had a little bit of a discrepancy in their 3G pitch. It had settled one end more than it had the other. Tiny, tiny discrepancy and they had to have it all redone. There are more uh, gradings in place for the 3G and the artificial place, uh, pitches than there are for grass pitches. So there's more intensity on them, uh, looking at them, things that might go wrong. So when, when you're looking at that grassroots level, vitally, vitally important. However, the real question that they're, I guess, wrangling about is whether you would play championship and then up into the Premier League. That seems to be this kind of overarching feeling. Well, do we worry about that when it gets there? I would say, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, we're worrying don't... about that progressive step from from the National League into the, the Football League. And it, it's it's going to damage the credibility of the National League. I, I say this as being on the board there. 
because we've got clubs at the moment which are having this internal wrangle over whether they should be. How can you have clubs in the in the playoff positions that then can't get promoted and then it's going to drop it? They get relegated. Absolutely. They? If, if they can't, Double jeopardy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's the knock on effect for that league too, and then. Everyone should make the decision. Decision. <laughs> Put <laughs> your teeth one. back in and make the decision before June. How can you leave it that late? How yeah. can you leave either yes or no now and let's move on with it? So uh, we are one in favour and one against at the moment on EFL rule changes. Final one we're picking up on today is the clarification on what constitutes a full strength team. Why is this important, Matt? Because uh, David Wagner screwed Blackburn Rovers <laughs> last season. <laughs> Sorry, that's perhaps perhaps a bit too strong. But, uh, <laughs> but if you can qualify it, <laughs> you're over it now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm over it. No, that's like I said earlier. I think probably a good thing for us because it's it's more enjoyable being at the top of League One, enjoying a promotion battle, than it is fighting another relegation battle in in the Championship. But yeah, to, back, back to, the just to clarify, Wagner recognised that his Huddersfield team were blowing out their bottoms and. Would, could either finish the season with a full strength team or do the playoffs, but not both. So he took a bit of a gamble, rested lots and lots of key players in the run-in, and um, that had an effect on on Blackburn's fate, didn't it? That's right. Yeah, he made ten changes against Birmingham, and uh, Birmingham beat Huddersfield in that game. One of uh, very few victories for Birmingham uh, in the second half season. And I mean, if, if anything, though, I, I take some comfort in the fact that it's only prolonged. Birmingham suffering because they're down there again this season. And... <laughs> not bitter, not bitter. <laughs> okay, so a, a mixed reception to that one. That is all the time we've got for the news. When we come back, Championship Roundup. You're listening to the Totally Football Show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out williamhill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag your odds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, be gamblerware.org and when the fun stops, stop. Championship roundup then. Cardiff City are making a strong push for promotion. They beat Bristol City 1-0, their fourth win on the bounce and they're four points ahead of Aston Villa. Steve Bruce said that he had to remind his players of a few things at half-time against Sheffield Wednesday. Manager code for I gave them a massive bollocking. And it worked a treat. They were losing 2-1 at the break. They ended up winning 4-2. Bad news for Derby County. They were held 3-all at Reading. And while they remain in fourth, they're seven points behind Cardiff. What happened to Birmingham's mini-revival? They've now lost four in a row without scoring, with Steve Cottle saying his team are unrecognisable from a month ago after they went down 2-0 to Barnsley on Saturday. And the Blues are joined by Burton in the bottom three, who picked up just nine points at home all season. They continue to skid at the Pirelli Stadium with a 1-0 defeat to Millwall. And in what was billed as a battle between the best two teams in the division, Fulham inflicted a 2-0 loss on Wolves, whose lead at the top has been cut to six points following three games without a win. How do you say squeaky bun time in Portuguese? Hands up who had Nottingham Forest to score five on Saturday. Nope, not even I told Karanka's mum would have put money on that. It happened though, QPR were put to the sword and Forrest are now 10 points above the drop zone. Sunderland are still bottom though, despite another late fight back. Callum McManaman levelled for the Black Caps in the 96th minute to secure a 3 all draw against Middlesbrough. And hang on, what's this? Hull City are climbing out of trouble. Their 1-0 win over Sheffield United lifts them to 20th. Leeds have done a win, their first in 2018. But Brentford boss Dean Smith wasn't happy about the length of the grass at Ellen Road after his team lost 1-0. Though 
There were no more late goals for Norwich as they were held to a 0-0 draw by Joe Crilly's Bolton at Carrow Road, with Canaries boss Daniel Farkas sent to the stands. Preston dropped to ninth after losing 1-0 at home to Ipswich. Burton Albion this week, Caroline. Um, second from bottom. Very weird um, league table type thing in that they've picked up 20 points away from home and only nine at home. Why do you think that is? I, I know there are some amongst us who think that Burton Albion aren't that great on the pitch at the moment, but I think they're they're using their resources to the best of their ability and they're going to pick up the odd points here and there. And what Nigel Clough has done, he's just turned around and said, right, essentially everyone else thinks we're going down, so let's play with a bit of freedom. Let's just go for it. And And I think at times they have been unfortunate. I have to admit a little bit of a, a crush on Burton Albion as a football club. Same with Fleetwood and Stevenage that we're going to chat about too, having followed them through from non-league football and up and seeing what Ben Robinson does. Anytime you want to talk to him, he's approachable. And you can phone him, he'll pick up the phone, he'll talk you through what the process is at the club and what's happening and the reason behind X, Y and Z. They're putting money back into the community. They're building facilities in the community too. So they're trying to do a little bit of everything. I know that doesn't always mean or translate into performances on the pitch, but Clough, having been there for a decade previously, had given them the, the, the successive promotions up through from the Southern League, then they had to swap across to the Northern and then an up and through to the Football League. You kind of want to see them do well, but there must be that point as fans where you, you sit there and think, have, have we got to sit through another one? And it's that complete contrast to, I think, Sunderland at the moment. As Sunderland fans, when you sat there thinking... Short saying, yeah, we're up with we're for free. You can take us, but you've got to take the debt too. And and then seeing stuff not working out in the pitch, and then seeing Chris Coleman, a bit like Nigel Clough, two managers who really have the best interest you feel of the club, and have ma- managed to bond the fans and the and the team together. And you see those two different frustrating ends of of ownership and how different it could be. Yeah, and I I agree with you. While there are some people who have been quite mean about Burton Albion, I, for one, enjoyed watching them play, um, particularly on Saturday. I've got a bit of a soft spot for them. Um, Matt, you watched the game against Millwall. Um, They lost 1-0 to a particularly scrappy goal that Nigel Clough must have been furious with. Um, But they had their moments, didn't they? Yeah, they they had a couple of chances. I I think they're, they're pretty weak in attack to be honest I think that's the, their biggest issue isn't it like Caroline says they do try and play it around nicely and uh, it, but going forward yeah they, they really lack any incision at all really and there was that one brilliant pass by Jacob Davenport in the first half to uh, to Darren Bent who, who blazed wide when you, you would absolutely expect Darren Bent to finish that chance that was such an emphatic miss wasn't it he didn't just miss it he really missed it let's talk a bit about Jacob Davenport the interesting backstory is a loney from Manchester City he was also a ball boy on Aguero day at, at the Etihad. Do you know that? I did not know that. Oh, there That's you an go. interesting little fact. Totally football league show fact there. Um, but he does look a bit of a talent, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's got a fine free kick against Barnsley when uh, Burton capitalised on that new manager change there uh, the other day, overnight. And uh, yeah, he's got a fine left foot, brilliant pass at it. Uh, Clough plays him sort of at the. Um, deep lying kind of midfield position where he can just look to move the ball around really and spot those runs uh, in attack and I thought he was he was very good against Millwall who you two were were hinting there that somebody didn't think Burton are, are brilliant and I, I do think you know often when I've seen them this season they've been very poor I remember when I watched them uh, early in the season against Aston Villa when they lost 4-0 and they actually shipped four goals at home in, in three or four matches against Wolves and Villa which is understandable but then they lost 4-2 at home to Barnsley as well which was a little bit stinky Do you think that the, that element of confidence has changed since Clough's turned around and said 
right? Everyone thinks we're down. Let's just play with a bit more freedom. Well, definitely. I mean, that's what happened last season, isn't it? They lost six of their last 19 games last season, which is a remarkable run of form to stay in a division. And uh, they do get patronised an awful lot as well with people saying, you know, the budget was only £7 million last season. They actually made a £1.3 million profit they posted in October, which is fine work. And uh, I think a lot of that probably came from Jackson Irvine's move to Hull uh, last summer. Uh, he was their top scorer with 10 goals from midfield. And that was obviously a big blow for them, losing him before the start of this campaign. But uh, but I think, you know, I, I always just look back to when Blackpool got promoted to the Premier League. And Burton, it's almost as if... It's it's happened too quickly, this rise through the divisions to the championship, that now to, to try and consolidate is just an enormous task, whereas perhaps if it had happened a little bit more gradually, they wouldn't be, be down at the bottom fighting relegation season after season. Well, I'll tell you, that um, strange record where so many points away from home does kind of suggest that other teams are being a bit complacent when Burton come to town. And this weekend, they've got Sheffield United at Bramall Lane. Sheffield United on a fairly miserable run of form. I mean... A decent chance of a, a sixth away win there for Burton, surely. The mere fact that you're looking at that now and thinking, actually, there could be a, a result there this weekend just shows that I just don't think... that. Oh, feel free to replay this at the end of the season, but I just <laughs> don't think they're buried yet. They will they will go down fighting, and, and you're right. I think they could they could go and get... Are we doing predictions already? You're about to hang me on this one. Uh, <laughs> actually, I, we'll I think have they that could coming get a up, point. Mate, but yeah. I think they could get a point this I, it, it feels like Sunderland and Birmingham are more making a more concerted effort of being hopeless. Than, than Burton. Burton will always sort of rise up above where they should be while Birmingham Sunderland will reach down. And apart from trying to qualify what I said a bit a bit earlier, the, the fact that Chris Coleman has got all the fans behind him is the only thing that could perhaps give Sunderland a few more points, a few more points. Sunderland and Birmingham have expectations as well, don't they? And, and they've been spiralling downwards for years. So it's it's a completely different sort of situation. So Burton, that's why you do see them lose a few games. It looks like they're doomed and then suddenly they'll, they'll, they'll win one and uh, but, you know, but on you the feel, road and they'll be, they'll be back in the mix for the survival fight. But you feel there's a better atmosphere at, at Sunderland maybe than Birmingham. You know, if it's a straight shootout between the both, then you think maybe Sunderland might... Might nick it. Oh, definitely. I, I think one one last thing on Burton actually that we should say is a uh, big boost for them is Liam Boyce, record signing from mm. uh, Ross County. Scored a, ha, scored a ton of goals in Scotland, but before he joined him in the summer for, for around five hundred thousand pounds, I think it was, and um, he, he did his ACL in a preseason friendly against Shrewsbury. So having him back now, coming back to fitness, that could be massive for them. Well, let's find out. Well, by talking to Joey Crillian from William Hilliam, um, <laughs> what what price Caroline's confidence to uh, to be vindicated? For them to stay in the division, yeah, uh, they are four to one. So that sure. represents one to seven to go down. So it's um, a chance. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? Looking at the table and looking at the teams at the bottom, it, it looks as though that the fight for relegation is getting bigger, with more and more teams getting dragged into it, and that can only be a good thing for the likes of Burton and perhaps not Birmingham because they're on a, a horrific run. But some of those teams at the bottom, like Bolton, like Hull. Um, for, for for getting out and, and dragging some of the other teams into it. Yeah, I think everyone up to Sheffield Wednesday is um, still in the sticky stuff. What, I know I'm springing this on you, but what price Sheffield Wednesday to go down? Um, beaten at home by Aston Villa despite leading. Really haven't had any kind of new manager bounce under the new man. I'm padding to give you time to find the odds. Uh, so they're 25 to 1 to go down, hmm. um, which is a big price, but... Definitely, they are they are in and uh, in and amongst it. Uh, They're only seven they? points ahead seven, of Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and a lot of the teams at the bottom are picking up points as well, whereas Sheffield Wednesday really aren't. Well, there you go. We'll keep a close eye on that, but not before the fan league. 
Listeners, when it comes to shaving, you value precision. And so do Harry's. They value precision so much that their blades are German-engineered. They value precision so much that their razor handle is non-slip with textured grip. They value precision so much, they've insisted that we make this ad exactly 60 seconds long. Not 30, not 44, but 60 on the nose. And that's why I've just changed all my shaving products to Harry's. And you can too, by heading to harrys.com slash league. Harry's cucumber and aloe shave gel lathers into a luxurious foam, allowing those aforementioned German-engineered blades to glide across your face, and their post-shave balm will leave you extra cool and fresher than ever. Because you listen to the Totally Football League show, you can get a special Harry's trial set delivered right to your door for just £3.95. Find out more at harrys.com league. Uh, if you're playing the Fan League with us, and you know how to do that, don't you? Just download it off the App Store, search for Fan League, uh, come and be my friend, and uh, then I'll invite you into the league, or something along those lines. Uh, Gary Irwin leads the way. Lawrence White is in second place. I'm making a bold challenge in 65th. Um, come and join us. It's not too late. Uh, it's very simple. You get a slip with 13 games, and you just pick home win, draw, or away win. Uh, let's look at the championship games on there right now. Aston Villa QPR, Matt. Well, it was a great win for Villa. Left it late against Sheffield Wednesday, but uh, after I think I pretty much wrote them off when they went down 2-0 to Fulham mm-hmm. uh, the week before, uh, I think uh, Aston Villa will win this one. Caroline? Yeah, look at the impact of, of John Terry. So much, of course, levelled at him, rightly and wrongly, over the years. But when you see the team come around them at the end, that result at, at the weekend, just think Villa now will just continue to go. The steamroll has happened. Villa. Yeah, I think um, it's always been the case with John Terry, particularly when you're actually at the game and you can see him. When the ball's up the other end, he's shouting at all the people around him, keeping him in shape, keeping him focused. He's uh, always said he's an absolute multiplier and Villa are really going to get the benefit of that. Let's have a look at, well, I should say I think they're going to win as well. Uh, let's have a look at Derby Fulham, which I think is the trickiest one to call. Derby, a very good side, dripping with talent, but they are inconsistent and Fulham are the form team in the division, Caroline. Well, if you take out the inconsistent, then everything you just said about Derby, you'd say about Fulham when they've got the, the talent that's there. Fulham are going to win this one, in my mind, which is a bit bold and not yeah. like me at all. But uh, the, the player that we don't mention, because I think all Fulham fans are worried that he's going to leave, uh, has been the difference <laughs> and continues to be the difference and, and such a, a bright young player. No, to, what, to what it is with him, Fulham fans will know this far better than me, but the, the goal he got against Wolves, he's so switched on. That goal isn't about being really quick or being really technically gifted. That's just about concentrating, seeing a chance before it even developed. He's so... You, you would expect someone that young with that many teams kind of bobbling around him like his head might go he might stop doing that kind of thing you are you are my new hero because on on channel five at the weekend we decided we weren't going to say his name because we do get stick from fulham fans for keep talking him up so thank you for not saying his name <laughs> we'll just continue it i think i said this about ryan sessignon uh, oh, oh matt <laughs> <laughs> Last week, though, he's a poacher, isn't he? He's, he's, he's a left-back who became a left-winger who looks like he, he could do a job as a striker because all these goals are around the, the six-yard box. But anyway, yeah, I'll go for Fulham as well. Yeah, also, Mitrovic, amazing. It's not all about Sessegnon. Millwall Sunderland. Um, I just can't think of anything other than a Millwall win here. I mean, this Sunderland team going to Millwall and getting... I can't see it. 
No, uh, Millwall home win. How many players on the pitch at the end? Can not do that instead? <laughs> 14. I'm going to say Sunderland might Ooh, nick it. Yeah. That is a bold I think shout. that noise from you deserved that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sheffield United, Burton, we talked about. I think maybe maybe a draw there, Caroline. I think a lot depends on, as we record this, Sheffield United's results in the next 12 hours or so. I think a bit of momentum behind them uh, could see them, even though earlier I said that, that Burton Albion could go there and get a result. I'm going for a draw. All right, I'll go for a draw, Matt. I will go for a home win. Oh, OK. And Wolves, Reading. And ordinarily you'd say Wolves, but they're three games without a win now. And Reading you know, showed a bit of character at the weekend, getting that three-all draw with Derby. They did. They showed a bit of character and a bit of complacency as well, maybe. But, uh, yeah, Wolves, I mean, three games without win. I went up to watch them play against Norwich uh, last week and they threw that away in the last minute. Uh, when Nelson Oliveira came on, I basically slated his performance for uh, for 10 minutes and then he went and pumped one in from 30 yards at the very end. So they were missing Ruben Neves, it had to be said. Uh, he was suspended against Fulham. And I think that was a big loss for them. So I'm going to go for Wolves for this one. Caroline? And style of play too. I think this will suit Wolves better. Wolves win. I'm going to go Wolves, but with a question mark at the end. So, Wolves. <laughs> when we come back to the League One Roundup. <laughs> This is the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. And in exciting new technology news, we're now on Alexa. Have you got an Alexa, Matt? Uh, no, I don't have an Alexa yet. Caroline? Can we uh, do that thing where you say, Alexa, order 500 fridges? Yeah, definitely. Which is totally irresponsible. Yeah, no, don't, do don't, definitely don't do so that. So essentially, Matt, if Alexa's listening now, she's just ordered 500 fridges. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because you can remotely do yeah. it to other people while they're listening through. Exactly. God, the havoc we could cause. Anyway, so you haven't got one. Um, if you have, dear listener, got an Alexa, um, you need to ask Alexa to enable the Totally Football League show skill, because that's how you have to talk to Alexa, uh, to get started. And then, bang, you're on. You can listen on your dot or echo. You can do that with the, uh, the, with the main show as well. Just enable them both, and then you can just walk in after a hard day at work and just listen to the show. Maybe she could be my virtual girlfriend. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. oh, it's a cry for help. Well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Alexa clearly sounds like Darren McAntony and also Billy the Beat. So. <laughs> <laughs> one voice, everybody's voice. Let's do the League One Roundup. Blackburn Rovers are top of League One, I'm afraid. Two goals from Danny Graham saw them overturn Walsall at the weekend and they're clear by a single point. But for how long? Wigan beat Rochdale 1-0 and they've got three games in hand on the leaders. Rotherham keep winning too. A last-minute penalty from Joan Newell gave them a vital victory over Doncaster Rovers. Matt, you would be advised to hold off on the celebratory dances. This run-in's going to be tight. It's now one win in nine for Scunthorpe as they were pegged back by Ellis Harrison's injury time goal in a 1-1 draw at Bristol Rovers. While a great escape could be on for Berry, Ryan Lowside beat Gillingham 2-1 to climb within eight points of safety. And the Shrewsbury success story continues with a 2-0 win at Charlton. Paul Hurst's side remains second going into the last 12 games. Look at Plymouth go! Actually, quite a lot of people are doing exactly that. They had over 11,000 at Home Park on Saturday for their 1-0 win over Bradford, and they're now in the playoff places. Peterborough aren't they, as you've heard, and that meant the end of Grant McCann. The posh's one-all draw with AFC Wimbledon was deemed a sackable offence. And Portsmouth still can't seem to find consistent form. They lost 2-0 at home to Blackpool. 
The Chezerection, copyright Gregor Robertson, is underway at Fleetwood as they came from behind to rescue a 1-1 draw against relegation rivals MK Doms. While Northampton and Oxford played out a 0-0 draw at Sixfields, an Oldham vs Southend was called off due to a frozen pitch. Yes, and they live for another week. Um, Tom Ryan has been in touch while we've been recording on Twitter, um, replying to Tyo's uh, picture of us in the studio, which went out on Twitter, said, uh, nobody is asleep, so Ian must not be on the club history segment yet. Thank you for that, Tom. Fleetwood Town were formed in 1997, though they weren't the first Fleetwood. There had actually been two clubs in the town since 1908, but they both went under. This Fleetwood, originally Fleetwood Wanderers, then Fleetwood Freeport and Fleetwood Town only in 2002, has experienced quite the change in fortunes. Uh, Much of this is down to Andy Pilly, a local businessman who took over in 2003 and set about rebuilding the club on and off the pitch. Mickey Mellon oversaw those crucial promotions to the Football League, but he was sacked in December 2012 with the team in the League 2 playoff places. Was that harsh? Well, not according to one commenter on the Daily Mail story who said of it, Bubbles the Chimp could have got Fleetwood up. The real fans of Fleetwood know this was the correct decision. Harsh. But let's look at that rise in detail. In 1997, they were in the North West Counties League Division 2. In 1999, they were in the North West Counties League Division 1. In 2005, it was the Northern Premier League Division 1. In 2006, it was the Northern Premier League Premier Division they reached the Conference North in 2008, the Conference Premier in 2010, and then in 2012, powered by the goals of one Jamie Vardy, they went up to the Football League with 103 points. They didn't stop there. In 2014, they won the playoffs and went up to League One. They lost in the playoffs last season. They had high hopes of improving on that this season. But then it all went wrong, Matt. They won the first three games of the season. They did win the first three games of the season and it looked like they might mount another playoff push or a promotion campaign. And uh, at this stage last season, they were actually on an 18-match unbeaten run. So they, uh, I think they were joint uh, with uh, Scunthorpe in, in second place on 61 points. Um, but yeah, it's been a story of uh, late goals, really, that, that undid Roslo. They lost 2-1 to Blackburn in the 83rd minute, 2-1 to Gillingham in the 90th minute. 2 on to Shrewsbury in the 82nd minute and 3-2 to Scunthorpe in the 78th minute. And uh, all four of those teams, obviously, aside from Scunthorpe's recent run, have been in decent form. So they've been competitive, but they've just been shipping too many goals, and uh, especially late on. You wonder whether it's a fitness issue. <laughs> Caroline, it's so strange. Cause I love they... that you come for me for the fitness issue. <laughs> <laughs> but... Andy Pilly has changed managers at times he thinks are correct over the years. Mickey Mellon, the, the falling out that they had... I thought that, that he had perhaps galvanised the team and that they were going to continue to, to bubble up and up and up and up. The change was, was made there. John Sheridan, this is what his fifth managerial job since leaving Plymouth Argyle. I think he, he's got that, that experience and the nous about him. But again, it's where the fleet would want to be. Well, they definitely want to be not dropping out of the league. And that's essentially why he's been brought in to make sure they stay in, in League One. I think they need maybe a little bit more about them so how he's going to get that in terms of bringing a few players through but i just there has been a there's been a change in um uh the philosophy i think it's that too grand a title uh either way andy pillier said fleetwood are to be self-sustaining now obviously they have spent rather above what you would imagine their level to be um they have got eight million pound training facilities which were opened by one sir alex ferguson um but is it possible to make a self-sustaining Fleetwood? Bear in mind they come from a town of 25,000 people. 
Um, it, it's not a huge catchment area in a particularly competitive region. Especially when you have AFC File throwing a bit of money around in the National League as well, which is in the same sort of catchment area, uh, looking to do a similar thing, really, for, as Fleetwood and, and rise up into the, the Football League. So it, it is com- competitive around there. Um, obviously, they probably attracted a few fans from Blackpool in the last few years, given the way that, that they've been running contrast to, to Fleetwood. Um, but yes, staying in this division is going to be absolutely crucial for, for what they want to do going forward. And uh, there's certainly money to be made over the long term, though, because I mean that's why they opened this eight million training facility so that they can rent out the gym and use it as a community centre, as we discussed before, with like the 3D pitches at Sutton and elsewhere. And uh, I think that's a, a very smart move. And uh, Ferguson was uh, very complimentary in his comments whenever he, he opened uh, th- those facilities. And I think that will be a, a great earner for the club over the future. Uh, let's talk about the game. Uh, you watched it against MK Dons, who we looked at last week. A uh, really nice goal by them, I thought. That that quick passing that so often gets them into bother um, actually worked. A good finish by Robbie Muirhead. Um, but Fleetwood did not capitulate and came up with a very decent goal of their own from Ashley Hunter. Yeah, who uh, blasted one over the stand in the first half. He did say that afterwards. He said, I tried it in the first half and it went out of the stadium. I thought Fleetwood were excellent, I have to say, considering where they are and that they had lost, or they they, they were winless for eight matches before that. I I thought they were really good. I thought George Glendon stood up, took a lot of responsibility because it was his loose pass in the build-up to MK Dons' goal that, that allowed them to get forward. But it should be said there was no pressure on Cissé or Nike as well before Robbie Murray had um, fired in that, that well-taken opening goal. But George Glendon, uh, he actually played the, a key pass in the build-up to uh, to the equaliser as well when the ball then broke for, for Hunter to fire in. And if there was only one team going to win that, really, in, in my opinion. And... Uh, I think uh, that, that Fleetwood, under John Sheridan, he, he will galvanise them. That's what Pilly said whenever he brought them in. He's, he's a manager who's been in this situation before and, and he's he's rescued Oldham, he's res- rescued Plymouth and I, I think it looks like he'll do it again. He's certainly not going to be accused of being too nice with the players, is he? Very much of the uh, old school of uh, motivation techniques. Joey Crillian from William Hilliam, Fleetwood to stay up. They are 1-2 to two to stay up. Uh, we're being very positive about all of the teams who are struggling so far with Burton uh, looking at their price, price to stay up rather than go down and uh, Fleetwood are one to two um, but they are six to four to go down and what about below them are Berry buried um, they they really seem to have kicked on they have uh, and they're six to one to stay up hmm. um, and I've been quite impressed with their form uh, as I'm sure Pretty much everybody else uh, in the room have been. Um, and, and six to one, I'd certainly be backing that over the one to 12 yeah. for them to go down. But there is still uh, a lot of hard work to do. They were very good against South End. Gave some of our fans a bit of a shock who'd only looked at the league table and hadn't looked at the recent form. Uh, perfectly good team. Anyway, if you want to go to Fleetwood, uh, adult tickets are 22 quid. Though under 18s go for a tenner, under 16s go for a fiver, and under fives go free. And you can drive, but there's no parking at the stadium. But there's plenty of street parking parking around the ground so i'm told there's no train station in fleetwood so you have to head to blackpool north which is about seven miles away uh, a taxi from the station to fleetwood will cost about 20 quid but you're probably better off on the bus numbers one and 14 excellent right. fish and chips in fleetwood excellent well. fish and chips there you go fish and, and chips bus was all right too i've done the bus yeah. and the fish and chips that, see we have more in common that's all we'll, we'll do it less next time we'll go together eh? great away <laughs> yeah no <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, Matt's ego in a bucket and the League Two Roundup. Hello, Ollie Man here. I do a bunch of podcasts, but here's one that I think you will definitely like. It's called The Modern Man. It's a pun on my name. 
It's also got loads of amazing guests that you won't hear anywhere else and advice to navigate this here modern world. They probably thought that we could build the next Facebook because they they knew so little about technology. It was a little bit like he was a phone book that had been ripped in half and so his buttocks were on the front. All you need is one headline in the sun. I emptied Santa's sacks (laughs) and my career is over. That's The Modern Man, M-A-N-N, with me, Ollie Mann. It's on Acast, Apple Podcasts and at modernman.co.uk. League Two Roundup. What a very weird weekend in League Two. Luton needed a last-minute equaliser from Alan Sheehan just to get a point at home to Cheltenham. Could Wickham take advantage of their slip-up? No. They were beaten 4-2 at home by Morecambe. Morecambe! A perfect opportunity then for Mansfield to beat Coventry and make up some ground in the promotion race. Nope. Steve Evanside let their guard down and the Sky Blues recovered to draw one all. So who did take advantage? Accrington moved within three points of top spot thanks to a 1-0 win over Cambridge at the Wham Stadium. While at the other end of the table, Chesterfield remained five points adrift despite a 2-1 win over Swindon. Barnet also picked up three points, winning 1-0 at Colchester to keep themselves in a survival fight. Notts County's wobbly form has seen them drop out of the top three, but they were able to beat Stevenage on Saturday. More on that in a minute. Carlisle have still got designs on those playoff places and their 1-0 win over Yeovil did them no harm whatsoever. It's getting close at the bottom again. Port Vale's point against Newport would have been a perfectly acceptable result until manager Neil Aspin saw the Barnet and Chesterfield scores. Christian Deutsch scored his 16th goal of the season as Forrest Green beat Harry Kuehl's Crawley 2-0, while Exeter's away form continued with a 1-0 win at Grimsby. And Crew done a madness, winning 4-1 at Lincoln to climb to the heady heights of 18th. Alright, time to take a look at Stevenage. Pay attention, Tom Ryan. Stevenage were formed as Stevenage Borough, they're now just Stevenage, in 1976, rising from the ashes of poor old Stevenage Athletic, who themselves rose from the ashes of poor old Stevenage Town, who were formed in 1894 and dissolved in 1968. So it's very much a case of third time lucky for the people of Stevenage. This third incarnation played in the United Counties League, the Ethmithian League, and in 1994 they were promoted to the conference. 1996 actually won the conference, thanks in no small part to the goals of Barry Hales, but they were refused access to the Football League because their ground had come up to scratch. Livid. They hit the headlines in 1998 when they were drawn against Kenny Daglish's Newcastle in the fourth round of the FA Cup, a match that generated such rancour that it still simmers today. Newcastle, you see, didn't want to play in Stevenage due to uh, safety concerns and possibly also the chance that they wouldn't win, which they didn't. They were held one all and they only won the replay at St James's Park 2-1. Anyway, Graham Wesley, who had managed the club between 2003 and 2006, returned in 2008. He won the FA Trophy in 2009. He secured promotion to the Football League in 2010. And you know what he did in 2011? He got him promoted again. Conference to League One in successive seasons. And then he left for Preston. Well, that didn't work out, so he came back. Unfortunately, it didn't go so well this time, and Stevenage were returned to the fourth division in 2014 with Wesley leaving the following year. He was replaced by Teddy Sheringham, which, funnily enough, didn't work. Sheringham was replaced by Darren Saal, and Saal's side finished 10th last season and slipped back to 15th this season. There's little prospect of them going much higher than that. So what's going on there, Matt? Yeah, they're sort of marooned in mid-table, aren't they? Uh, 12 points above the relegation zone, 15 off the playoffs. It started so well, though. They only lost two of the first 11 matches. Uh, 
And then they were defeated 1-0 by Crewe and 7-1 by Luton. Not their first or the last side to be to be hit for 7 or 8 even by Luton. Uh, and they've only won 5 of the last 24 games. So really they've, they've sunk down into mid-table and it looks as if they're not really going to go anywhere between now and the end of the season. Caroline, Darren Saul. I mean, Teddy Sheringham was a, a bold choice, but Darren Saul, just as much so, really, didn't really come in with any um, reputation from his playing days. Yeah, but he'd, he'd been coaching and he dropped into Sunday League football, having been at, I think, Hemel and bumping around at St Albans too, so that he could go and, and progress coaching-wise. My favourite thing to do, which I made you both do beforehand, is, is to Google Phil Wallace, the Stevenage owner, because what, what comes up is on his Wikipedia is that he's the saviour of Stevenage and so many times before they've got themselves out of Stuck and I think they'll be all right. A key date for me is uh, start of April when they play Barnet. So Wesley going back to Stevenage. So how key that could be for Barnet. If Barnet is still in and around the, the bottom, which they will be at the table around about then, that match against Stevenage could see Wesley return. So many good years spent with, with Stevenage desperate for those three points is Wesley the sort of manager do you think lots of people want to do favours for or maybe maybe not um, which amendment can I plead there he's, <laughs> he's doing very well at Barnet doing brilliantly yeah. yeah great work um, Colchester got him right back into it uh, but back to Stevenage um, sorry yeah that's alright no worries that they conceded a couple of late goals, didn't they, against... They did. They were Mass really County. really quite unlucky. They, they played well and they got done by two set pieces. Uh, one a corner that wasn't cleared and George Grant prodded in. So 48th goal of the season. Uh, and then a free kick that wasn't dealt with and Shola Amiobi stabs it in. Notts County very good on set pieces. Uh, Sal said it was unbelievably frustrating. I thought for large parts of the game we controlled it. Um, obviously the six minutes and the two goals were in Achilles' heel for us. I'm not sure that's what an Achilles heel is but you know he makes a good point Matt what did you think of him uh, I th- agreed with uh, the midfielder Luke Amos who have got on loan from Tottenham uh, they have quite a close relationship with Tottenham obviously because uh, they play some under 23 matches at the Lamex Stadium Lamex Stadium Lamex and uh, yeah he, he said that uh, they were very disappointed and considering how they played we are all gutted to lose that game and I thought he did really well alongside another youngster Mark McKee in central midfield uh, McKee who's been linked with a move to the Premier League, perhaps, uh, who Downsall found as a 15-year-old at Cliftonville in Northern Ireland. Obviously, he worked uh, with Brentford's academy before. He, his background is in youth coaching, and uh, he clearly has an eye for player because he's also Ben Wilmot in central defence, uh, 18-year-old who's been linked with Tottenham. Uh, I thought he did pretty well against uh, Notts County. He's positioning South Studies ground in a tough test against Shola Amiobi, really experienced centre-forward, obviously. But he was actually perhaps slightly at fault for both goals. It was his... Uh, of questionable uh, aerial ability actually it was a poor headed clearance from a corner that saw the ball play back in for George Grant's opening goal and then he didn't actually jump for the second free kick he didn't make a challenge and then that was obviously nodded down to Amiobi and it was 2-0 but uh, I think yeah it's, it's promising that they have a couple of uh, young players coming through where they hope to, to profit from that because uh, Chairman Phil Wallace uh, actually I think this is a a great posturing uh, statement from Phil Wallace recently. He said, Spurs, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Burnley, Watford, Brighton, Bournemouth and West Brom have all registered an interest. And I'm told there's also a top Bundesliga club that wants to speak to me. I'm and then, told. <laughs> well, and, and he compared it to Exeter City and he said, they set a bar for us all in League Two with the sale of 19-year-old Matt Grimes at £1.75 million 
and they did it again with Ollie Watkins, who obviously joined Brentford in the summer at 1.8 million. So for, if Ben Wilmot does move to Spurs and if Mark McKee makes a step up as well, they're looking for big money. Who needs a PR department? Oh, yeah, T- two things in that. Wouldn't it be great to start a rumour and just whisper in a chairman's ear, oh, I've had a word of Bundesliga's clubs. In. But, but I'd love to do that. But that's the whole circle complete now from the start of the programme where you're talking about sustainability in football clubs and 3G pitches for, for Stevenage. And this is where Sol does come well is yeah playing as an assistant being an assistant under Andy Scott but having bumped around the the youth coaching as as well he has seen these players come through and if he can bring them through then get a bit of money for them the club keeps going if you want to go see Stevenage do so uh, they've also got this really nice downloadable PDF obviously downloadable all PDFs are downloadable um which is just like a beginner's guide to the football club tells you which stand to go in if you're bringing your kids uh, what time you got to turn up it, it sounds really silly but I think if if you've got kids who into football and maybe you as a parent you're not into football you know it can be a bit intimidating i thought it was a really nice touch anyway have a look at that that's on their website tickets are between 17 and 21 pound um between five and nine pound for the under 16s three and seven for the under 12s there are 500 free car parking spaces at the ground nearest train station stevenage which is about a mile away from the ground but there's a shuttle bus for one pound 50 uh joey Crilliam. Stevenage um, to make it into the top 10 a match last season. Okay, so they uh, we actually have top half uh, rather than top 10 and they're 12 to 1 to finish in the top half and uh, I think if you're looking at the relegation and promotion odds, they're 50 to 1 to go up and 80 to 1 to go down so that pretty much says it all about they, the, the season. They are where they are, aren't they? Uh, while we've got you, TV games this week, Middlesbrough leads... Uh, yep, yeah, you'll you'll not be surprised to see that uh, Borough are odds on to win this one, 17 to 20. Uh, Leeds, who haven't had the greatest of 2018s, are 18 to 5 with the draw, 23 to 10. It's it's one of those, isn't it? If you win, you feel like you're right back up in it, and if you lose, then it's probably best to start thinking ahead to That's next right, season. Yeah. Uh, Wolves against Reading. Any chance Reading can do anything? Well, believe it or not, we've just had a price change, and uh, Wolves, Wolves' price has uh, just been cut uh, to two to five to win this one. Reading fifteen to two, and the draw hundred to thirty. All right, let's take a few of your questions. Alex Thomas on Twitter: uh, Given the limited budget he's working with, is anyone doing a better job in the Championship than Neil Harris? So decent shout, isn't it, Caroline? I can't disagree with that because I've just liked it on Twitter. So <laughs> if I say anything now. <laughs> I, I, I think there are plenty of other shouts for... And I always think this should be the case. And I am involved in the EFL Awards this season, so maybe I shall make this point strongly. Uh, that I don't always think Manager of the Year should come from the, the manager that wins it, oh, as it were. Yes. Not wins the award, because clearly he's Manager of the Year. Uh, but wins the league, or that particular oh, league. Oh, absolutely. For a team that snuck through... They only got into the playoff places on the last day of last season, <clears throat> at the expense of South End. Um, to to not even be anywhere near a relegation battle is is extraordinary. And I think he's turned their away form around. That's four yeah. wins on the bounce uh, on the road, which is just <laughs> incredible considering that they didn't win at all until that Leeds victory. Well, that's it. Everyone was saying, "Nah, they can't win away." And now they can. Yeah, who no, knew? They've they've done <laughs> brilliantly. Um, Wigan, are Wigan the new Juve? Asks Kirby Roast. Um, are Wigan the new Juventus, Matt? I think there are a lot of similarities between Wigan and Juventus. I think there's a lot of similarities between Wigan and Turin. Um, I believe you can get a pie sandwich in Turin as well. We didn't talk about the pie sandwich, did we? We'll have to save that for another show. The Wigan kebab, was it? Or kebab? or? Yeah, which was two two pies on a stick, which I think I'd have logistical problems. You can fit three on, clearly. (laughs) Martin Dickinson on Twitter. Will Lincoln make the League 2 playoffs? Yes! 
Is automatic promotion out of the question? The form they're in, they've dropped away. Danny Cowley sent off as well the other week uh, for losing his school a little bit. And uh, that 4-1 defeat to Crew, I mean, that's a shocker, isn't it? That was probably, after the Morecambe result, of course, the correct uh, performance of the day in, in League Two. All right. Well, that is all we've got time for. In fact, we've only got 40 seconds left, which is just enough time for me to say, if you do nothing else today, uh, read the Doncaster Rovers tweet. Um, it's uh, been pushed by popular stand fanzine on Twitter. It's by Viva Rovers. It's absolutely amazing. Caroline Barker, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, I wasn't paying any attention. I was just reading the Doncaster. It's brilliant, yeah. isn't it? I, I think we could easily make a show just reading that out if it didn't mean serious copyright theft Matt thank you sorry to David Wagner (laughs) you're not really sorry Joey Crilliam thank you thank you very much and thank you Social Paul thank you producer Tayo Uh, we will see you next Tuesday the Totally Football League show is a Muddy Knees Media production for sales and advertising please email us at sales at muddyneesmedia.com 